I've been speaking with so many people. Uh, of course, the big media like New York Times, Forbes magazine, and everything. But uh, but you know, I, the most important thing for me when I speak to people is that people have passion for football. And when you wrote to me, I could just feel that wow, these guys they they want to know a lot about football. They already know a lot about football themselves. So of course, I could only say yes when you asked me. So so it's absolutely a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you, uh, thank you, Thomas, for your kind words. So we'll just uh, start off by uh, welcoming everyone who's who, who's tuned in. Uh, it's a big milestone day for us at the Indie Football Podcast, as Anukar sir said. We really wanted someone uh, of note to justify this milestone for us, and of course, Thomas Gronmark here, who has honed his throwing technique and secured the Guinness World Record back in 2010 for the longest flip throwing uh, a specialist coach who has worked for football clubs in Denmark and UK to teach players how to improve their throw uh, thank you thomas uh, for being uh, here with us and i just i for someone like me who's who's still learning a lot who's still studying uh, football the first question i'd just deep dive and ask you how has the throwing technique really changed over the years as in how was it traditionally when you had first started off in the sport of football and how have you seen it change over the years still today yeah first of all i'll say that a lot of people think that i'm only working with the throw-in technique and the long throwing but i'm actually working with everything around throw-ins in a football match so yes of course i can learn mm -hmm. players to throw longer more precise most important yeah yeah are you here again yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay yeah, sorry sorry uh, i think maybe it was like yeah. maybe it yeah, was my continue. connection but again back to back to your question you asked me with foot uh, throw-ins how it has developed so i'm doing more than just the throw-in technique and the length i'm working with everything around throw-ins that you can imagine so the most important thing is team space creation so how to create okay. space when you have a throw-in all around the pitch so you can keep the ball, create a chance to score a goal after throw-in. And also, oppositely, um, when your opponents have a throw-in, how can you make the, spo uh, the space as possible? Of course, you can't mark the whole pitch, but with different techniques and different strategy and take the ball from the opponent. So so to cook it all down, that was that's my approach to, to throw-ins. And, and I started almost 20 years ago in, in 2004, and I was totally under pressure where the players are marked. They lose the ball in more than 50% of the occasion. So if, if you do the same with your feet in the middle of the pitch, you won't be playing professional. You'll be only playing like Sunday league, like really amateur. So, but no one, no one um, were really interested in the throwing only, only me. So, so of course I started on the highest level in Denmark already the first year. But I had to wait until, uh, you know, 2018 to get my international breakthrough. And maybe that, that'll be one of your questions. But, but, but in 2018, your club called me. So, so, so the throw-ins have changed um, a lot since I started as a throwing coach. Right. Absolutely. Sir, I think it's, it's just one of the nitty-gritties in the sport of football when uh, Thomas mentioned about space creations in the football uh, field, right? Yeah, definitely. Man. I mean, uh, honestly, like I have been watching Liverpool since 2006. And when I first heard that we were going to hire a throwing coach, I swear I was a bit skeptical. 
tinker but as soon as i saw the you know thrones improvement as soon as i saw that you know how each set piece would count we saw how one set piece was actually pivotal in liverpool beating barcelona a few years back in the fourth goal and we have just seen that you know how taking those thrones early being able to act, and we have seen how amazing joe gomez has been whenever he has you know had those long thrones and ancho thomas has worked with him also in the past and like we saw uh, against in the liverpool match with nottingham last week in uh, which you know nottingham were able to counter through a lot of throwins so we have seen like the game evolve through the years i remember how happy i was when i read this news that thomas had signed an extension with liverpool last uh, i think it was last year so i know how things have changed how the perception of the game has changed and uh, i just know that the modern game is a lot more than just about goals and free kicks and assists it's a lot more about the technicalities of it and that is what makes it more interesting and the uh, role of people like thomas even more elaborate in the greater scheme of things absolutely uh, thomas i'll just be honest in uh, mentioning how i wanted to go through whatever interviews you mentioned just at the beginning you have done more than 500 interviews in the last 5 years uh in one of the interviews where you know you were asked about how the throw in entire thing has changed you mentioned about how it can't be too high because it's too easy to defend or too difficult to flick on so can you please elaborate on these small uh, details where you mention it's important to have tall players one caveat uh, one additional dimension that i would like to have your advice or opinion on is of course most teams have taller players these days but suppose back in 10 15 years uh, not many not all teams had tall players so for a team that is generally shorter in height how much does the tactics dynamics of throw-ins change yeah it, it it means a lot no matter what what size size team you have you can work on on like the team space creation and and let me start by saying what's bad to do so so again when you're listening now you shouldn't do this So one of the some of the most common mistakes is that if a player is marked and he receives the ball close to the thrower then you you are in a high pressure zone so it means that first of all the receiver of the ball gets high pressure and even if you you do like a return pass to the thrower again he will also again be in high pressure because he's the receiver is too close to him or her uh so that's mm-hmm. that's very bad i see a lot of the best teams in the world do that often Another common mistake is that a lot of teams are just hurling the ball down the line in a big bunch of players, and then it's a headed duel. You have to flick it on with your head, and the challenge there is that the the defending team has a lot, uh, how can you say, better better chance of taking the ball. So if you have to throw in as a attacking team, you have to avoid to 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 hurl it down the line in a big bunch of players. players so what you want here is like create different kinds of space and and some people think that okay i'm i'm working a little bit like a american football with only a few solutions or like a a traditional set piece coach like who takes corner kicks we have we do this and this no i'm working with i'm learning players to see the space and then see a lot of different solutions in the different parts of the pitch so so i might have all in all around the pitch like perhaps 50 different solutions but these 50, 50 different solutions you can make them in thousands of ways because you have different amount of players you have different distances you have different timings uh, and things like that so so for me that's much more dangerous so um 
So when you are at your own penalty area, you have some solutions. When you are having, we are, when you are at the middle of the pitch, you have some solutions. When you are close to the opponent's uh, penalty area, you have some solutions. And at the opponent's penalty area, you can either take it long if you're that kind of team, or you can create space, you know, inside the penalty area or, or, or somewhere else. So that's it's really depending on uh, what type of team you have. And then I'm also looking a lot at. Uh, what I also call the opponent's defending patterns. So how does yeah. the opponent stand when you have a throw-in? That's really important because uh, there's no perfect way of marking. The opponents have always, always some kind of weakness in their marking. So so, And then I'm also looking at, of course, the, the formation that the team I'm coaching is playing, also um, the playing style and so uh, and then, like the last thing I'm looking at is uh, what I call individual throw-in superpowers. It means that some players are fast; they are good at counter-attack throw-ins, running behind the defense. Some players are good at the first touch; they are good at return passes, receiving the ball. Some players are physical strong; they are good at protecting big boxes and play side passes. Some players are good at seeing and creating space, so they're often good at creating space for their teammates. So all these things are taken consideration when I'm building a a throw-in strategy for the teams. Yeah, that's definitely pretty enlightening for all of us over here, given how much uh, attention to detail you speak over here. And I'm going to ask a small question to Anukash before I come back to uh, you, Thomas, again. Anukash, you are considering you are such a big Liverpool fan and all these details that Thomas just uh, spread out in terms of uh, what kind of physicalities you uh, need. Whom do you think is the best throw-in player for Liverpool right now? I think, uh, honestly, like uh, Trent and uh, Robbo have been doing a lot of throw-in duties over the last few years, especially with their full-back positions. Though, uh, Thomas, I have a question uh, from you only, that since, you know, recently uh, they have switched in roles, like uh, Liverpool have kind of started playing with three centre-backs and Trent has gone into that midfield role. So, uh, what do you, uh, like, who do you think uh, uh, remain the most ideal people when it comes to throw-ins? And uh, how do you see that helping them offensively when it comes to set-pieces? Yeah, I'll say first of all, uh, the, the last many years, like you said yourself, is the most dominant players have been Trent Alexander Arnold and, and Robo because they're fullbacks and they've been taking um, a lot of the throw-ins. Actually, we are one of the strategies I'm working with, and my philosophy is called the long, fast, and clever throw-in. And, and in the middle part, the fast throw-ins. Our philosophy in Liverpool, but also all the other clubs I'm training all around the world because I'm not only training Liverpool. But the fast throw-in philosophy is the nearest player or the player who's nearest to the ball when it goes out, he takes the ball fast. And if there's a good option, he take it. But if there's not a good option, he leaves the ball to the fullback and then we create space afterwards. So, okay. so yes, yes, they have... Um, of course, it's been Robo and Trent who has had the most influence on, on the throw itself. But again, it's important for me to say that when we create space, it's the whole team who's who's involved. Of course, it's not all uh, 10 outfield players. You're just running. Of course, you're running from the position you're, you are in, of course. But 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 it's, it's a team thing here. So because earlier, like just if you just go 10, 20 years back, 
it was a little bit like if the team lost the throw-in, it was only the thrower's fault. But now we know that we are really depending on the space created out on the field. So, so I think uh, it's not it's not only it's not only uh, the responsibility of the thrower. It's it's the whole team, also the coaches that we are making good throw-ins. And again, then back to your comment about a new system. Yeah, it's totally right that when we play attack, then. Uh, then Trent, he goes out like inverted fullback, at least when we are playing. Uh, he's still taking the, the throw-ins when we have a throw-in. And then when we're defending, he's like still often defending as a fullback. So, But it's really exciting with the new position with Trent because he can he can um, now, instead of just playing from, from the fullback position in the right side, he can now be in the middle and actually play passes in 180 degrees. And I, I've I've not only seen it in in the matches like you have seen, but I've seen it in training like two weeks ago. It was a whole week in Liverpool, and and what he does is uh, trend is magical from that inverted uh, position. And like you all, of course, know that he been been making five assists in the last four games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's been doing the same in training. So that would be um, yeah, that's already now. A really good thing thing for the team, and I think it'll be fantastic for the future too. Uh, by the way, uh, like since you have coached Liverpool when it comes to throw-ins, uh, can you share some interesting anecdotes with players that you know we can uh, share our with our viewers? I'll say that I, I I'm not so happy to how can you say say too many anecdotes because I have a lot, but I'm I'm like still. I'm still coaching the team, and you know anecdotes. That's often when you <laughs> when you look back uh, <laughs> 10, 10 years back in time, and so and when you're there. So 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 I can't really reveal so much. The only thing I like I I can reveal is that there is a, a fantastic culture in Liverpool. People are laughing a lot. We're having fun. The players are having fun. Uh, the staff is having fun, you know, in between each other. So that's fantastic, and it's it's probably the workplace uh, I've ever been where we have had most fun. So what we're really good at in Liverpool is that now we have fun, now we are serious, now we are fun. So people are really good at how can you say changing between fun and concentration, and and that's fantastic because. If you're having fun all the time, you'll never like learn something. You'll never be high achievers. And if you're too serious all the time, you you get an environment where you are too afraid of making mistakes. And so, so can you combine not only in a football club but also in a workplace? Can you combine? How can you say a culture where we have fun, excitement, and then really concentrated and and a really good to to shift from these areas? Then it's good. So I love to. Uh, I love to work in, in Liverpool FC. But again, it's important to say that I'm working in many clubs all around the world, the whole Europe. Um, uh, I've been in Mexico working. I've been in the United States work. I haven't been I, I haven't been working in India yet. And that's also one of my big dreams, not only to work for a club or visit a club or visit the federation, uh, do some courses, perhaps for the federation, so coaches can come, or just visit the, the country, India. So I've never been there before. It seems like a, a fantastic country. Absolutely, I feel uh, there are just two, three things that I would like to note, uh, probably 
ask you a bit more on what you have shared with us so far you mentioned about how you read into the opponent's defensive patterns when trying to make a throwing technique so given your experience with liverpool or with any other club that you're working with you mentioned in mexico as well what are uh, you know who which are the teams that have probably nullified or you know had a great uh, bulletproof to whatever throwing techniques that you have been trying to imbibe in teams like liverpool and all the other teams that you have been so as in uh, does it necessarily have to be a defensively strong team or is it probably teams who are just in general better prepared to defend set pieces so what kind of opposition breakdown do you do when trying to read the defensive uh, plays of your rival teams basically yeah first of all i'll say i don't i don't do any defending how can you say i don't do any opponents analysis before the game i always do after i've been analyzed i've been analyzing all liverpool's games the last five seasons but after the game has been played so um of course i could do the other thing too um but but i'm not like hired for that but but for me that's not so important again because what i learned the players is again like i said before there's some connection issue i guess uh can you hear thomas properly Yes, yes, I can hear Thomas. So probably Anukash yeah. can yeah. Uh, yeah. sort his yeah, network okay. thing. But I can hear you, Thomas. So okay, that's perfect. Hear. Okay, so 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 again to to break it down to take one throw in. So the what the first thing you do is the ball goes out, and you the nearest player gets the ball. If there's a, then you scan. If there's a good option. Then you throw it and of course already there you're scanning after the opponent's defending pattern so that's like a really really fast scan throw it if there's a good option if there's not a good option don't throw it okay let's say there's not a good option we can't throw it then if it's the fullback he keeps the ball of course but if it's not the fullback he, you give the ball to the fullback and then again you are you're scanning the opponent's defending pattern because yes the opponent are plus one inside the pitch like like 10 10 versus 9, if you're not counting the, the goalkeepers. And, and some will say, oh, they're they're plus one. Yeah, but we are we are one versus one or two versus two or three versus three, four versus four in some zones. And then we know there, that there are some some places where we can use um how can you say uh, the advantages of being the same number of players as the opponents. Of course, if you are in a sandwich. Where you have a teammate who's one against two or two against three you'll probably not use that area but it just means that you have more players other places and yeah. so 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 you scan that where is it good and sometimes you can be, be lucky just throw into that area but normally it's not enough just to throw it in there where they're weak you have to create that space first and you have to use long runs you have to scare scan where are your teammates and then there are different uh, kind of space. You might have a space after three seconds. You might have a space after seven seconds or 12 seconds. And then you, how can you say, you see the different spaces and then suddenly you take a decision. And this decision can both be, how can you say, a decision where we just keep the ball and have control. It could also be a decision where we say, oh, this is great space to create a chance. Um, 
but it can also be sometimes what I call a low risk, high reward throwing. And with that, I mean that let's say we have a throwing in the middle of the pitch, we get it pretty fast. Then there's a run behind the defense and we throw it down behind the defense because we can see the run. The good thing here is that even if we lose the duel down there or the throwing is too long and goes for a goal, yeah. to the, we have a low risk because even if they take the ball, they have like 80, 100 meters down to our goal. But but if we if we succeed, we have a big, big high reward, you know, either a big chance or even a goal. So it doesn't mean that that we have to throw behind the defense every time and take these low risk high reward throws like i say but it just means that we have to take that in consideration too so sometimes we lose a position and then i say that was a fantastic throwing great we took that chance but we lost the duel or you know something else so so all these things i'm learning i'm learning the players that and i'm it's not like just like in again in like american football where we have a playbook or corner kicks where you set people up uh, the day before the, the match or so. No, I'm 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 learning the players all the basic things like team space creation, precision, creating big boxes, return past good distance, active angles. That's like the first step in my training. The second step yeah. is small-sided games where they learn all the tools. And these small-sided games they're almost like clip up out of a match. And then the third level. That's um, how can you say um, mat specific or zone specific exercises where we are playing with more players and so and so that's the way they're learning they're learning to to have this how can you say I also call it throwing intelligence by making these steps and one of the biggest mistakes people are making when they see my throwing coaching is that they think that I'm I'm just showing the players some patterns you know run there run there run there. And then we have we succeed. No, uh, so um, so so all 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 teams in the world can can learn this. And and one good example that there are many interested in this. And and maybe you can send a link to your viewers and listeners here. But but actually on my homepage thomasgronemark.com, I have my four best basic throw-in drills, and they're already now. Uh, over uh, 7,600 coaches from the whole world who has picked them up. Uh, and you can use them already from U10 and up to professional players. And it's from, uh, from more than 100 different countries. So this just shows that there are so many coaches out in the world who has challenges with throw-ins because they don't know what to do. But they can get that for free. Of course, it just they, they should just sign in with their mail on my my, my list there. But, but so... There's a huge, uh, how can you say, hunger for more knowledge about throwing. So, so, so these mm. drills are open to, uh, of course, to coaches in in India too. So it's just about going to thomasgronemark.com and and my biggest goal, of course, I've been, I've been winning 13 titles with teams around the world, not only seven with Liverpool, but also Ajax in Holland, Flamingo Brazil, FC Midtjylland Denmark, Philadelphia Union. Uh, and of course, it's fantastic to to win all these titles and so. But the most important thing for me is actually to change the football and help as many coaches as possible, because bad throw-ins make the the game bad. So with better throw-ins, we'll have more happy players, coaches, fans, parents also from youth, uh, from youth teams and 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 all the kids and so. So my biggest dream is just to change throw-ins. 
Absolutely, that's a big part of the game, definitely, especially with modern game moving into so many nitty gritties out there. I'd just like to ask, and of course, you've you've always been ahead of a deck in the last twenty four minutes. You've answered many of the questions that we wanted to ask you at the beginning, but can you please spread light on certain challenges that you have faced? I mean, not only technically, but also. being being a specialized coach you know trying to you you mentioned about how it's not just about winning to winning titles with clubs but also improving uh increasing the level of football not only in england but also in various clubs across europe and uh eventually uh in the in the entire world as well i'm sure in your case so what has been certain drawbacks or you know obstacles that you have faced so far in your journey which probably serves as an impediment to what you have done so far and what you want to do in the future yeah you can say that my biggest challenge was actually that the first couple of years i, I was only training the long throw in in denmark in the danish super league and that was very successful improved a lot scored a lot of goals on long throw ins but already in 2007 i saw that There was a big challenge with throw-ins all around the pitch, so I, it was there when I, I developed my long, fast, and clever throw-in philosophy. So all the throw-in, th- throw-ins around the pitch there, and I thought already after a year, thought, hey, I'll get my international breakthrough, but no one wanted my knowledge around the fast and clever throw-ins. It was only the long throw-ins. So I had to wait like almost like twelve years or so. From I I saw the improvement potential, to Jurgen Klopp called me. So I had to wait for a very very long time to to work with the fast and clever throw-ins. Until then, I worked a lot with the long throw-ins, and of course after after Jurgen Klopp called me and after I I helped Liverpool go from number 18 in the Premier League on throw-ins with a possession on 45.4 percent. Then in my first season, we improved to. 68.4% and went from number 18 to number 1 in the Premier League on throw-ins with Liverpool wow. also to number 2 in the whole Europe just after FC Midtjylland one of my other teams from Denmark <laughs> so so yeah. when you have such a result when you are improving the throw-ins so much when you're winning the Champions League when you're winning the Premier League with a team you know a lot of clubs want you so after that it was much easier for me to be a throwing coach and then I'll say again one of your questions was Is it difficult to be a freelancer? I, th- I think one of the most, uh, the hardest thing for me as a freelancer is that I'm I'm not so often in every club. So I'm I'm coaching many different clubs, um, but I'm not there every week. And it will be much easier for me if I was like an assistant coach, uh, for example, being in Liverpool every week, or a set piece coach. Um, where I was only in one club, but still being there every week, you know. So I think that that's my biggest challenge, that the clubs would be even better. Uh, but I've also asked myself, would you rather be a freelancer traveling all around the world or would you rather be in one club? And actually, I'd rather be a freelancer because I'm meeting so many <laughs> fantastic people all around the world. Yeah. I can help so many more than only being in one club. So, of course, a lot of Liverpool fans will say, oh, wouldn't it be the best just to be in Liverpool? And of course, that'll be fantastic too. So I have one of them. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm, I'm just happy being a freelancer. So, so, and I think I'm, I'm because I, I, I started with the passion for throw-ins already when I was a small kid, seeing my big, big cousins Ben and Johnny. They were doing really good long throw-ins. So I think I was put on this earth to help 
millions of people who are interested in football be better at throw-ins, both players, of course, but especially coaches. So I think that's why I'm here in this world to to make a positive change for a game that so many people love. Because yes, one thing is Liverpool, one thing is everything you see in the in the television. But think about the millions of kids and young people, both boys and girls in India who are playing. Throw-ins are important for them too. And it's just so important for me that two youth teams were playing in Delhi or so are having good throw-ins and not losing ball every time because I'm talking with a lot of kids, a lot of long, a lot of young people, also adults who had did a lot of throw-ins when when they were kids. And one of the things they feared the most that was that was throw-ins because they were so bad. They say, "Hey, and, and when you're playing football, you shouldn't be afraid. You should love the game instead." So I just want to uh, bring all my love, all my throw-ins to the world so so that's my that's my goal in life yeah anukash sir before i take the conversation into a bit more india centric conversation because even before i've got there thomas has already mentioned it twice i'm going to ask you uh, to probably ask another question before you know i just ask too many indian re- related questions to thomas so yeah anukash sir the floor is yours Well, yeah, I uh, see. Honestly, like, uh, how did like you have talked about the Jurgen Klopp phone call? And I know I'm asking a lot of Liverpool-centric questions, but there's a reason I wear this. <laughs> uh, so, uh, tell me one thing: How did it feel when you know Jurgen Klopp called you, and when you made such a difference? You know, getting Liverpool to a side which uh, had so much success in uh, Europe and overall also, like you, you know, improved so much in throw-ins. How did it feel? And how has the journey been uh, managing managing such top Europe? opening clubs yeah it was fantastic when Jurgen Klopp called me and I was he called me directly on the phone in the start of July 2018 and it was a big big surprise because it's always been my dream to coach the biggest clubs in the world and I've been frustrated for many years that I didn't get the chance so when Jurgen Klopp called me and asked me to come to Melwood Liverpool's former training ground I was mm-hmm. so so happy and it should only be a meeting you know but But Jurgen Klopp was so convinced after the meeting that already the day after I had the chance to coach 21 Premier League players and all the players who weren't injured at vacation after the World Cup there. And the week after we signed the first six months contract because I think the club wanted to see did it work this throwing coaching. But soon in the fall there, a couple of months after we signed uh, for the rest of the season, and now it's my fifth season in Liverpool. So it's been like. Um, It's been like a fairy tale for me, you know, like many other uh, boys and girls around the world. I've been playing football, started when I was five years old, dreaming about being being one of the big stars from that time in 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 around 1980, the early 1980s, you know. Uh, and I've always looked up to Jurgen Klopp and and his manager and and, and coaching abilities, also his personal abilities. So, so coaching together with Jurgen Klopp, like again two weeks ago, it was a whole week in Liverpool. So standing on a pitch um, together with him, talking with him, like we are talking now, like you're talking with your good friends. Yeah. It's been like sometimes I'm still like, how do you say, pinching my arm to see <laughs> is that real? So um, just like just, you know, just, it's just like how we are probably pinching yeah. ourselves. Thomas is here he with has, us, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, it was crazy. The first 14 days, 
in, in 2018, after I signed contract with Liverpool, after I had my visit, you know, sometimes you dream about something that's really great. It can be with football and it can be in life. It can be with, for our, probably, we've been dreaming about girls or women many times. And then you wake <laughs> up in the morning and then you realize <laughs> it's only a dream. And then you think, wow, okay. But the first 14 days, I was dreaming about I was a throwing coach for Liverpool. And that was, oh. then I was waking up and then I thought, oh, it's only a dream. And then I realized it was real. You know, it was really... It was really messing up my brain. So again, interesting. Um, yeah. So so back again to your question, uh, Anukas. It's it's been fantastic to work for Liverpool FC, not only to work with Jurgen Klopp with the other staff, but also to to coach Mo Salah, with your Van Dijk, Trent, <laughs> Robo, you know all the stars. Uh, yeah, yeah. So everybody, Thiago, Fabinho, Hendo, you know everybody. Uh, okay. it, it's fantastic and. And sometimes I'm also in the, the drill myself because sometimes we miss a player, you know, you have to get the numbers fixed and so for the drills. So sometimes I'm I'm playing myself in the drills, you know, to to get everything right, you know. So so it's it's just um it's totally cool. I'm living my dream and um yeah, it couldn't be better. I have read Robo is the most fun out of all the Liverpool players. <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah, it's 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 um it, it's 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 just it's just great to be a it's just a great to be a part of yeah. So um, I'm sure when you mentioned how uh, you are part of the drill, so the Liverpool boys are surely pushing you to the edge there. But uh, yeah, to now asking you about your uh, I just loved how at the beginning of this, uh, just before we started, uh, you know, recording this, we sat down with Thomas and asked him. What are the things that you probably want us to speak about? And while, yes, we have covered whatever we wanted to ask Thomas. Uh, but lastly, before we let him go, a small segment in where I wanted to ask uh, about uh, what are his views about India in general. I'll just say that uh, Thomas here in India, of course, you must have heard about everything that's been going around, you know, Premier League. Uh, as far as fan engagement is concerned, last month Chelsea was here for the global fan engagement team. Premier League looks at India as a potentially big market when it when it comes to the fans. But when it comes to uh, the quality of football, the you know level of football, it's fair to say that uh, Indian Indian football is lagging behind uh, probably 10 to 15, 20 years. Let's let's be honest to put out the uh, real figures out there. So. Thomas, like for example, what kind of an opportunity? Like you, you, you have spoken so many times about what you dreamt about. Now you are doing. If you had the opportunity, if you had the you know freedom to probably say this is what I want to work in India. So, so what kind of a opportunity do you look in Indian football, given your experience and how you believe you can create value here in Indian shows? Yeah, first of all, you have a, a fantastic big potential, and why do you have that? You can just say the size of the country itself, it's just enormous, you know, with all these people. So are you getting a great structure in the country uh, around football, great development, starting to get in good academies and so, you know, the skies is the limit for India. But the most important thing for me is like the joy around football, the, <clears throat> how can you say, the innovative approach. Because yes, maybe India is 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 up behind Europe and so. But for me, it's more about how do you work with football? 
how do you develop things? Are you curious? Are you innovative again? So for me, there's a, a gigantic uh, potential in football. And again, I have never been in India before. So, but but when I see videos and movies, films from India, it seems like it's it's a happy you know happy country, a country filled with colors and so. So so I think that if you can bring that joy into football, these all these colors from India, bring that into the football world itself, then you can even develop. How can you say? your own style of football in India. Yes, of course, you, you can copy a lot of things from the Premier League or Europe, the best, best leagues in the world, but it's also about finding your own style. So uh, so I think there's a bright future for 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 football in India. And then throw-ins is a big one because some people think throw-ins is just a little thing, but there are actually normally 40 to 60 throw-ins a match. You're using approximately 20 minutes of playing time on, on throwing related situations. So one thing is throw-ins, yeah. but but my coaching is also affecting, you know, other parts of the game, like the fast throw-in will also often affect fast free kicks, fast corner kicks, and so being switched on in the game in general, so you have a faster game. So so again, my, one of my biggest dreams is to, to come to India and give some inspiration again to a club or the federation where coaches can come or just travel around India to, to give like clinics and so. And people out there, some people out there think, oh, we can't afford to invite him to India because he's like, he's like, uh, he's like in the biggest clubs in the world, and they pay him a lot. Yes, it's right, uh, they pay me a lot, but I'm I'm always working with uh, how can you say prices who's who's converted to the level of the country or the club. So I'm also often coming to smaller countries, uh, smaller clubs, for example. Uh, Last year was at an amateur club in in uh, in Iceland, you know, and so we made it work because for me, this is not about earning money or winning titles. It's about developing football, and getting a lot of good experience around the world. So one of my biggest dreams is to to come to India. So if there's somebody in India, no matter if it's the club, the federation. Or some people who are having a little money to invite me, you know, I'd be really open-minded. <laughs> yeah, I want to go everywhere in the world. Absolutely, I think it's it's been a wonderful forty minutes for us here, uh, Anuka sir. Of course, you are going to remember uh, this entire forty-minute conversation with someone who is from like your favorite club and has been kind enough to share so much with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Thomas, for joining us, man. It means so much, actually. And I had been talking to Doi about having a real Marquee guest for a 50th episode since he and I, we have put in a lot of work over the last 16 months. Because, you know, in India, football is priority sport at the moment, but it's, it's starting to grow in the events. So we closer to the people here so we have started with the nd we started with the nd football podcast in january of last year we tried to record an episode every week we have had people like samira hunter and all and like having you here it means a lot and i'm sure it will do a lot to the people here to the fans here and thank you again for being so humble so kind of joining us and we hope to have you soon with us again thank you yeah and i'll just like end my last thing with saying first of all thank you and guys, for uh, supporting Liverpool FC, uh, you might think I'm only one person. What does that mean? There are like 50 million <laughs> Liverpool fans around the world. But no, every single fan of Liverpool FC means a lot. 
So you're like an advocate for Liverpool FC, having that shirt on. So so it means a lot, not only for me, for but I can say for sure for the whole club, but also for other Liverpool fans. So first of all, thanks a lot for that. And then both of you, I'll say the podcast uh, here doing this for Indian football, it means a lot. Sometimes you think, oh, it's only a podcast or it's only like, no, because these podcasts are, you know, uh, seen and heard by so many people. So you uh, bring so much positive influence. You're helping Indian football so much. And you may think that, oh, it's only about India now. But, you know, in the future, there'll be people who say, we want to know more about Indian football. They find your podcast. And so, you know, so, uh, so again, Thank for thanks for inviting me here. It was a totally pleasure, and uh, thanks for your podcast and and everything. Yeah. Thank you, uh, thank you, Thomas, for taking all this time in. And uh, in in Mumbai, where I am currently in India, a lot of people are trying to do a lot for Indian football federations, clubs. So if there's any way, like if I found anyone who can probably. Uh, effort to have you here in India. I will probably contact you at that time. But no, we'll, uh, thank you. Thank you for your time. And yeah, looking forward to see you in some capacity or the other sometime soon. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Good yeah, night. welcome. Take have care. a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.